Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself. Broaden your mind. Open your heart and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are definitely in interesting times these days, and it is up to each one of us to figure out how to navigate these, to figure out what our feelings are, and understand that we can slow down just a bit. My guest today uh, is Danielle Dulski, and she has been on before. Uh, there's a beautiful archive on her book, Woman Most Wild, uh, that you can go back and listen to. And today we are going to be discussing her next book, the, the most recent book, which is Seasons of Moon and Flame, and it is absolutely scrumptious. It is going to work its way into your blood vessels and bones and through each strand of your hair and throughout your entire body as you deepen into the thoughts and meanderings and mystical ways uh, that she speaks throughout that book. And so we're going to try to dive into as best we can the essence of what that's about today to give you a sense of not only what that book is about, but how integral it is right now, particularly to these days and times. The art of living slowly, of taking time to listen to the earth speak and breathe in a rhythm that allows for an appreciation of place is not taught, but rather shared. We long not for those spiritual teachers who will offer us an escape from the real work of transforming this slow-to-heal world, or worse, numb us to the realities that surround us. What we yearn for, what we are willing to wander for, what we wake at midnight having dreamed of, are the elders who will bring us home to ourselves, who will inspire us into collective movements, who will share with us what they know, and in doing so help us remember Whatever we have never truly forgotten, our bones want belonging. This is from Danielle Dulski's book, Seasons of Moon and Flame. Such rich writing. Danielle is a heathen visionary, pagan poet, and word witch. The author of Seasons of Moon and Flame, The Holy Wild, and Woman Most Wild. She teaches internationally and has facilitated circles, communal spell work, and seasonal rituals since 2007. She is the founder of the Hag School and believes in the emerging power of wild collectives, cunning witches, and rebellious artists in healing and ailing our world. Uh, without further ado, I'd like to welcome Danielle back to 1111 Talk Radio. Welcome, Danielle. Thank you so much, Simran. Very happy to be here. It's it's wonderful to have you here and particularly be, to be doing this show at this particular time. I book my shows <clears throat> oftentimes I'm very much ahead, and I am always fascinated with what's going on in the world at the time an interview takes place. And today, you happen to be having protests outside of your house. Uh, we have COVID-19 going on. We've got this rise in addressing racism that is taking place. And I want to start by talking a little bit about how the hag, how archetypes, how uh, the way that you speak of of witchcraft, how all of this really does apply to activism as well. Can you talk about the correlation of the activist and the subject area that we're going to be talking about today? Yes, um, I think there is the, there is something to the hag archetype that speaks to the fringes. And so as a witch and a writer, I'm always interested on about what's going on at the fringes. And as soon as something starts to move toward the center, I sort of still side-eyeing what's going on on the edges. Um, and so I, I think that that is in part the work of the activist is looking at the, you know, what kind of exists outside of 
social acceptance, uh, what exists outside the realm of conformity, whether we're talking about our socio-political systems, legal system, ec- economy, whatever we're talking about as being at the center. If we can just look to what is on the outside and what makes us feel necessarily uncomfortable, that that is that that that's just such an important piece. And so for me, the hag is like that. Like even even me who who uses the word the word hag a lot uh, in my writing and um, you know and, and, and I'm always looking at my teachers as what part of the hag archetype they embody it's still that word makes me have this kind of viscerally negative uh, embodied response and so I'm looking at that as as pointing me toward what's interesting and what my my work in the world is is about right now so yeah well, that you bring up an important point, that visceral response, that resistance, that fear, that whatever is coming up inside of us, whether it is because we're resonating to something or we're vastly averse to something, uh, it is important to talk about words and language and issues that are coming up. And so before we dive into the hag archetype and uh, some of, of the different aspects of this book, you know, the word witch is some is a word that oftentimes bristles people, you know, or when we talk about uh, later in the show, when you talk about the spells or magic, you know, those are things that for many who are entrenched in their religious dogma or uh, have come from certain backgrounds that have viewed uh, witchcraft, witch spells, uh, ritual, all of those things in a negative light due to what they've been conditioned or exposed to. Can you talk a little bit about what witch means uh, in itself and in the context of of ritual and magic. Yes. So uh, witch is, a, a witch is anyone for me that meets both of two conditions. And the first one is, and probably the more important one, is that they have claimed the name witch for themselves. So there's many people that practice witchcraft, um, even though they might not call it that, who don't identify as witches. And that's fine. Um so, you know, which is a name that is claimed rather than one that is given to you. So that's the first piece is that they they identify as a witch. They call themselves witch. The second piece is that they, they do practice witchcraft in whatever form they practice it in. So for some, witchcraft is an art. For others, it's a religion. For some, it's both. Uh, and, and all ways are true. Um, and there will always be gatekeepers who are saying that it has to be this way or it has to be that way. But really, it's it's just, you know, wh- whatever witchcraft is to you is important. So for some, that is ritual. That is very much ritual and ceremony and having, you know, containers that can hold our grief and our joy and mark our rites of pas- passage uh, and, and micro rituals that might be done over the kitchen sink, you know, instead of in this epic coven um, underneath the full moon. So, so that is an important piece, but uh, more than all of that, it's a way of seeing the world. And this kind of loops back around to the hag. I believe that the witch sees the world a little bit closer to nature, a little bit more through creaturely eyes and uh, in tune and aligned with the elements then maybe the the overculture would have us uh, w- would have us do so yes so for the purposes of 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 having hearts remain open minds uh, remain available to to what we're talking about um, and and also with the the pure intent of understanding the sacredness um, of those that that are entrenched in paganism and and utilize the word witch in their way. Is is witchcraft really all that different than intention setting or uh, lighting candles uh, and 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 using crystals and burning incense or prayer? Is it is it just semantics? Is there really uh, all that much that is different in the grand scheme of things? I think uh, to a certain extent, yes, it, it is the same. Uh, there is, a, there's, you know, witches have the long vision. <laughs> and so there's, 
there's an understanding that the witch is when she casts a spell or or is moving through a ritual that she's just part and I'm using the word she but it you know they are just part of this dance between themselves in a in a human body flesh and blood and then all of these other forces that are external to their creaturely body but that they are very much affected by so for me magic is always a conversation spell work is is more of a dance rather than an uh, the witch as this isolated body who's sort of affecting or manipulating these energies so i think intention setting is for sure a part of it discipline is a is a big part of it uh because that helps to uh, allow yourself to keep seeing through a witch's eyes instead of being uh too affected by the societal and and overculture forces but um but the the important piece i think about witchcraft is that it is uh it is a give and a take it is a it is working with ancestors and descendants and not you know feeling very sovereign but also humble at the same time and very much a part of the collective so spells only work because we acknowledge that we are the magic that we are casting that we're part of that same energy so so yeah so if intention setting involves all of that then yeah it is the same thing for sure mm-hmm. beautiful response in the passage that i read in the beginning you it, it spoke about the art of living slowly and and the book really does display beautifully uh how we move into uh a slower pace where we really are understanding the rhythms and the cycles and and how we're becoming one with those things and utilizing you know the moon and 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 different aspects but then also recognizing that it it can be more finely tuned in that even the new moon could be the dawn of every day talk a little bit about uh the the witchcraft and and how the hag plays into really tapping into that slower look at things where we can then even apply it to like what's going on in the world today where everything that's rising up right now it it too is a cycle it's almost it's almost like the the astrological um, depictions of 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 showing what's going on now you know they are identical to what was happening at the Rev- American Revolutionary War at this particular time so that too is a cycle in a broad span um speak a little bit to cycles and rhythms and how the hag utilizes those. Yeah, that's a great question. Um uh, I think that this idea of, of of the hag archetype existing on the fringes is important because if we look at the hag archetype in fairy tales or film um and and in a lot of ways the cause of the viscerally negative reaction that we might have when we think of the word hag as you know the witch in the woods who's going to eat your children or something like that um that she isn't com- the hag is not completely removed from society and she's not completely in the center either she's right on the edge and um one of the teach one of my teachers who i love his name is bio akomalafe and one of his favorite sayings is is that the times are urgent let us slow down because there's very often this this rush to solve the problem there's this rush toward the center to try to fix and name everything about what what's going on and these times and you know the you know where's the vaccine for the virus and all of these rush to find all of these rushes to find solutions when when very pressing times require a not knowing uh what i call generative befuddlement <laughs> like a, a a a certain fertile void where we don't need to name exactly what's going on yet we don't necessarily need to react immediately and decide what is happening because i think as we get further into these strange times that we're living in everyone's having to kind of admit that they don't really know what's going on we we can talk about it and we we can be really intellectual and try to speak from a place of reason but no one really can say exactly what's happening and name it in this way where it's an exact story because we're still so much we're still 
so in it. So, you know, being this hag who's, who's looking on from the fringes and yes, having the long vision where this is just part of a cycle where, like you said, the astrology that this has happened before, um, apocalypses have happened before. Uh, so, you know, being able to kind of step back from these very short term in incarnations that we're, we happen to be in right now and, you know, ask how this is part of a much, much larger story. And, um, and also, you know, if, what if, so this is one of the unanswerable questions, I don't know, but what if we chose to be born at this time? Like, what if we all chose to be here for this? And then what does that mean? And not having to answer that immediately, but just holding on to that as if it's, uh, you know, an important North Star to move toward or something. You can find out more about Danielle at DanielleDulski.com. In addition, you can go to her website, thehagschool.com, and find out about a whole series of online events, seminars, and different things that she is doing at this time. Again, that's Danielle Dolsky, Seasons of Moon and Flame. Check her out at thehagschool.com or danieldolsky.com. We'll be right back after these messages. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Do you want more, more joy, more abundance, more power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships, more empowered community, greater fulfillment and life purpose? The 1111 Mastermind Community inspires, empowers, guides and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course, dream a new dream. The 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 Gateway. Courses.1111mag.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. Welcome back. Before I dive back into the information with my wonderful guest, Danielle Dulski, and her beautiful book, uh, that we are discussing today, Seasons of Moon and Flame. I want to let you know about one of my sponsors, uh, Skillshare. I have fallen in love with Skillshare. They have some really amazing and fascinating classes and uh, different areas to dive into. And the one thing that I have learned about chaos and about constricted times and when we're going through things, the best place to go is your creativity. And so I want to mention that uh, Skillshare is an online learning community with thousands of inspiring classes for creative and curious people. You can 
develop new skills. You can deepen exciting passions. You can get lost in your creativity. The one thing that it will do is it will allow you to move through whatever it is that you are trying to work through on a subconscious or external level by having you utilize all of your gifts, skills, and talents. You can settle your mind. If you're anxious, you can explore classes that will help you express what you're feeling. If you're uncertain about what's next, a creative challenge or productivity class might be helpful. Uh, It is membership with meaning. And if you've got kids at home, the creative classes and projects are engaging Uh, They are really wonderful ways to keep them busy and inspired. You can watch and learn together as a family. And I uh, have partnered with them so that they can provide you uh, some really free resources. It's a great resource so that you can stay inspired and express yourself and connect yourself to a community of creatives with fascinating classes and topics. And so right now... Uh, because you are a listener of 1111 Talk Radio. You can explore your creativity at Skillshare.com forward slash 11, uh, spell out the word 11, and our listeners get two free months of premium membership. That's two free months at Skillshare.com forward slash 11, spell out the word 11. So I hope you'll enjoy that. My guest today is Danielle Dolsky, and we are talking about her book, Seasons of Moon and flame, I want to read to you the hang, hag song. I fell into sleep and dreamt of a hag. She leapt like a youth and crouched on a crag. I know you, I said. Her face was my own. I'll show you, I said, and ran for the crone. Just look, I am you, you wild bone thing. She shook and turned blue, then started to sing. Her prayer was so old, bewailing the trees, a keening so bold for rough times like these. I licked a tear from her eye, the salt from her hair. Then she was I, her hymn mine to share. My bones, how they ached, but my songs were so rich. My voice, how it quaked with the howl of that witch. I sang for the elders, the dead in the snow. I moaned for the yew trees, the wolf and the crow. In time I grew soft, a soul sopped in song. A Kaliich lost in rhyme, gone too long. I woke in the dark, nudged up by a ghost. The song left its mark, but the hag I loved most. Again, from Seasons of Moon and Flame, uh, Danielle has adapted to these strange times of global pandemic and has created a whole series of online events and seminars, which can be found on either of her websites. You can go to daniellodulski.com. Or you can check out her website, thehagschool.com. That's thehagschool.com. Danielle, when we were completing the last segment, you had made a statement by one of your teachers, which was, the times are urgent, let us slow down. What a powerful statement that is. And when I think about everything that has happened in terms of the pandemic, it, it did require people to have to sit down. And so many of us have been detached from our bodies that this almost threw us into the visceral feelings and sensations that were coming through us. Um, you talk about through the book uh, and, and oftentimes have spoken about uh, in witchcraft how magic is channeled through the body and how the body is integral tr- to uh, much of what has to take place when it comes to uh, performing ritual or going through cycles and rhythms. And in the book, the hag very much uh, is is part of that physical it is the visceral it is feeling everything talk a little bit about the body and then tell us who the hag is in comparison to the grandmother or the crone or the witch is she different yeah uh that's a good question as far as as the body goes i think that uh embodiment the role of embodiment in witchcraft is is everything it's almost paramount and um you know it's it's always interesting to teach teach about witch, witchcraft and talk about witchcraft as much as I do when such a huge part of my own practice is something that's kind of unnameable, something that sort of descends language. So many times when people are, are new to witchcraft and they're sort of learning about uh, different spells that they might cast, whether it's going to be ma- manifestation or banishing or protection or healing, there's this sense of like, I don't even know what it is that I want. There's, you know, trying to distinguish between what they've been told to want and what they actually want. And when you start to tune into 
your embodied feeling, you know, what I might call the, the home frequency, uh, it, it sort of points you toward what's yours. And it's something that I, I do teach. So I've learned how to articulate it, but it's very much about the feeling. So, you know, we, we are still very much creaturely. We are still, we are st- still animals. And so to me, uh, a ritual always has to begin and end with attunement to the body. Otherwise, it's very hard to tap into that shift in consciousness that would happen in a ritual or a spell, uh, whether you're in a place solitary working on your own or whether you're with other people. Um, so, so yeah, so, it, you know, embodiment is everything, uh, learning about the nervous system and the vagus nerve and, and all of that is, is an important piece about being a witch because the, you know, the body houses all of this wisdom, but it's also a little bit of a trickster also. Um, so, so yeah, so the, the body and, and, and the way the brain works, very important in witchcraft. And as far as, um, the, the difference between the hag and grandmother and crone, I don't know that there's a huge difference other than for me, witch and grandmother and maybe even crone, all of those words have become a little bit more palatable, I guess, in, in the zeitgeist anyway. They've sort of begun to move toward the center um, versus hag really hasn't. Hag still has this, this kind of uh, sharpness to it. Um, and so in, in speaking about always looking to the fringes, I think that those words that feel a little bit more sharp are, are the, the best teachers, uh, especially right now. So as we move through uh, seasons of moon and flame, it, it it is this kind of slow paced um, movement through four houses of the hags, and you you speak of them as the garden hag, the sea hag, the desert hag, and the mountain hag. Um, is part of the reason that there are these different hags also to help us uh, learn to attune to the seasons, and then what each one brings to that season. Yes, exactly. And and the four directions and the elements too, all of it sort of forms this this web that is very uh, ancient and archetypal. And so, you know, it, it works a lot with the Celtic wheel of the year and the idea of North being the earth element. So mountain hag and winter. So all of those are, are correspondences that certainly aren't mine, um, but they do seem very, kind of universal. So, you know, sometimes when people have never never really cast a circle before, never considered these things before. When they do it, there's this deep sense of knowing, like they're tapping into this uh, very supportive ancestral field that knows all of these things already, even though it might not be part of their lived experience in this incarnation. It's still very much there. The book starts off with the house of initiation. And, and when we, we open to anything, there has to be that doorway that we walk through that really says not so much that I am here, but that I choose this, that this is now a part of what I desire to embody and become. Can you tell a little bit about that initiative piece uh, that really moves us into then those, those seasons and those cycles? Yeah, that's interesting because I was I was just talking to a friend about like one of my sayings is every ending is an initiation and we were talking about the role of choice and autonomy in initiation and is that a requirement um and I don't know it's it's sort of like if I look back on my story I can see how I've had initiations that I certainly don't feel as though I chose and then I had many that that I did choose so um so, so yeah, so, so initiation, um, as sort of like, like retrospectively naming something initiation, does that make it different than one that you, that you choose? Um, and then, you know, the, the other connotation that I have with initiation. So many people that have been part of a coven or a more traditional, uh, pagan c- community, initiation is is important and it's something to be respected but there's also kind of this underbelly that's very much part of my experience where there's a there's a little bit of a, a sense of powerlessness when it comes to the initiation process um 
where it's like there's this kind of looming authority figure that is choosing to initiate you and you're sort of surrendering yourself. And and that can, in certain contexts, be a very beautiful thing. And in other t- other contexts, it can be harmful. So, so yeah, so I don't know. I think it's one of the, the paradoxes or the tensions that I hold. You know, what what is initiation? Is it something that al- always requires sovereignty, autonomy, and choice? Or is it something that can be sort of something that you're kind of thrown into, but then you go back and recognize as important. Um, and, and, and I think that seasons are like that. So in the book, when I'm speaking about the three moons in any season and how that first moon is, is sort of a moon of nourishment because there's this sense of excitement that it's a new season. But then when you get to the second moon and it's a moon of challenge, because it's like, oh, now I'm here. Now, now it's uh, you know July or August and I'm right in the middle of summer. Now I'm here. And then that last moon being a moon of integration when you sort of weave that nourishment and challenge together. Um, so, so, so in terms of the seasons, that gateway of initiation is, is often a, a, a joyous thing, um, but certainly not one that we maybe choose, just sort of happens. <laughs> yeah, and the moon is so important and integral to so much uh, magic work, and it is very much a part of this book. It, it is all about the cycles and rhythms. We women have moon cycles. What is this, this kind of underbelly underworld connection that really is a thread through all of this that, that, that keeps it at the fringes that, that keeps it kind of magical, mystical and out there to where, uh, it doesn't always get grasped by the masses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the simplest answer is that when we recognize that we are cyclical and that we're always changing, and in particular that we do need those dark moon times of rest when we just need to, you know, go into our cocoons and recharge, that all of those things are not particularly good for for capitalism and for for functioning as a, as a society that really wants to be fueled by this hyper speed, always moving, always going linear time reality because the moon is a constant reminder that we are always in flux and that there are very dark times um, that, that that aren't particularly pleasant either I'm saying rest but you know sometimes that rest can be uh, very full of grief or, or depression so that, that that that's a part of life too so it's sort of something that you know, it isn't, it isn't nice and sweet to look at. And so I think that that's a big piece of it, that it doesn't really fuel the, the, the machine. <laughs> and what we've, what we've seen happening in the last few months, and then even with what is happening uh, now with the, the recent, recent racist issues that are uh, fueling protests and, and coming to surface, that feels like a moon time. And yet we are in the seasons of the hag that would have to do with spring and summer. Can you talk a little bit about how that ties together or how we can utilize uh, the hags during these times? Yeah, it's so interesting because um, in my witchcraft, I always look at spring and autumn as sort of like these sister seasons, whereas, you know, spring is really, really a dark and gnarly time. And we have all of this support for the light in spring, like the bunny and the candy and the bunnies and the candy and all of that. And yet the vernal equinox is just as much dark as the autumnal equinox. It's this balance point of light and dark. So for me, and in, in speaking with all of my witches during these strange times and this sense of like that it really feels like autumn, you know, we're in spring, but it really feels like autumn just because um, we do have all of this social support now for that dark piece that is a huge part of spring. Um, so, so yeah, so, so there is something to that, uh, you know, the, the, in the book spring is presented as a season of ancestral healing. That is, uh, that is a very challenging season. So, you know, going back and, and uh, having to go farther back for many of us than just the last 500 years where many of the, you know, wounds of colonization have, have occurred. And, but if you go back farther than that, we, we all have these very, uh, um, 
compassionate ancestors that lived very close to the earth that uh, that knew things that we kind of don't, and yet we do because they're speaking through us, even and especially now. So you know that that piece is still true, but it, it certainly was a a, a darker darker spring than than we're used to a more shadowy spring yes to live as the witch lives is to allow your world to be shaped and reshaped by those swelling cresting and ebbing wilds to which you already belong to live as the witch lives is to continually remember as the magic maker's journey is not solely one of knowledge acquisition but so often one of simple recollection. Whatever particular ancestral medicine runs in your blood, whatever hallowed recipe of many lands, songs, and ceremonies has brewed you, you are a wisdom keeper with much to gift this wounded world. You are a holy confluence of many fertile and fast-running rivers of lineage and land knowledge. What Danielle offers here in these pages is an invitation to awaken that wisdom, that wild and soulful meaning that you already embody, to find sanctuary in time cyclical movements as you would in the warm firelit home of an elder healer. This is the book Seasons of Moon and Flame, and it is by Danielle Dusky. She is a heathen visionary, pagan poet, and word witch, and she has also written the books The Holy Wild and Woman Most Wild. She teaches internationally in facilitated circles and communal spell work and season rituals since 2007. You can find out more about her at danielledulski.com. That is also in the uh, guest profile on the page. In addition, you can go to her website, The Hag School, and find out about a whole series of online events, seminars, and different things that she is doing at this time. Again, that's Danielle Dulski, Seasons of Moon and Flame. Check her out at thehagschool.com or daniellodulski.com. We'll be right back after these messages. want more more joy more abundance more power and presence how would it feel to have more loving relationships more empowered community greater fulfillment and life purpose the 1111 mastermind community inspires empowers guides and supports transformation shift your mind expand your heart deepen insights let go and chart a new course dream a new dream the 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 Gateway. Courses.1111mag.com. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. 
Welcome back. I do want you to definitely take advantage of my sponsor's offer of two months of their premium membership for free. Uh, You can actually have two months, and they teach all kinds of things from illustration to journaling to drawing to many uh, types of practices in stress management, mindfulness, and other things. So definitely check them out and uh, dive into some of their classes. Take advantage of this two months free as you explore all the things that they have to offer. Uh, You can go to skillshare.com forward slash 11 and spell out the word 11. My guest today is Danielle Dolsky, and we are talking about her book, Seasons of Moon and Flame. You can find out all of the things that she is doing uh, by going to her website, thehagschool.com. She is the founder of The Hag School and believes in the emerging power of wild collectives, cunning witches, and rebellious artists in healing and ailing our world. So definitely check out the offerings, the events, the seminars, and uh, everything that she is doing there. Uh, Danielle, welcome back. We are on the final segment, and during the break, I was thinking about what you said in regard to uh, the darkened times and and the things that are rolling uh, around at this time uh, with the season that we're in. There's a holiness to darkness. There's a richness in shadows and shadow work that we we must uh, avail ourselves of. And so often when we're going through the challenging and dark times, we're so focused on the chaos that it's hard sometimes to see the holiness in it. And yet there is. That is one thing that the hag brings about. The hag helps us to, to discover that there is something within that darkness that we are here to uncover, that special pearl, that special gift, that special magic. Can you talk a little bit about darkness and shadow and the, the role that the hag plays in bringing that to light? Yes, I think that in a lot of ways, the hag is the human shadow or, or embodies a lot of shadow qualities, at least in, in West, so-called Western culture, where, you know, the hag has this, this deep medicine, but it's also kind of sharp and, and also a little bit scary. And it requires a, it requires getting uncomfortable, like all meaningful learning, it requires getting uncomfortable. So, so yeah, when we, when we harvest our shadows or we look to integrate our shadows, um, I feel, cause I, I teach a lot of shadow work and it, it feels kind of exciting in the beginning, but then when you really get into it, it is, it is not no longer exciting. It's, it's incredibly difficult because it's in a lot of ways saying that you are who you would otherwise swear you are not. So it's, it's looking at, you know, those, those things that you resist just so fully with your body and mind and psyche, you just totally resist these things because they're very much a submerged, intentionally buried part of you that was probably placed in the shadows or in your psychic basement uh, during childhood out of a need to survive. So, so yeah, you know, looking at, at the places that, that just seem, um, hidden uh, and looking for what medicine is there, that's very much both shadow and hag. Yes. And as we move through the seasons, the garden hag, the sea hag, desert hag, and mountain hag, does that shadow work, that, that aspect of the darkness, does it morph and change through those seasons? To, to a certain extent, the level of darkness. Yes. Um, you know, I, I am sort of looking at the, the solar seasons. So, you know, spring being an equinox and then moving to summer where it is this, this season of fruition, um, where, you know, it is challenging still at, at summer solstice, we are magically tasked the magical task is to sit in fruition and gratitude with all that we've created with, with where we are right now. And that can be incredibly difficult. Like very often a witch is really good at, you know, burning her world down and also like trying to invoke the new. So there's this, this, you know, leaning toward the excitement of banishing and manifesting, but what about the, the poles of being in fruition as we are summer at summer solstice or at the void where we are at winter solstice, uh, where it is very dark and it's a season of reflection. So I think that, 
um, you know, to a certain extent, all, all 13 moons, all seasons, they exist in us all the time. So it doesn't have to necessarily be, and, and certainly the book isn't meant to be read linearly necessarily, um, working with, with seasonal magic and the wheel of the year, it doesn't have to abide by any rules necessarily because some, some people, you know, they might find themselves in summer, but they're feeling very, uh, winter or right now, you know, it is technically spring still, and yet there's this sense of, of autumn and, and a need for grief rituals and witnessing and death rituals and all of those things that we normally crave uh, in, in autumn when, you know, we have all of this social support for, for, for the, the dark and the monsters and all of that. So, um, yes. There, there's an area in the book where you talk about that distinction between the linear time and spiral time. And, and so often what we have to do when you talk about the long vision, what we have to look at is that spiraling of time and how things come around in that full circle in another dimension, as opposed to just that horizontal flat line uh, that keeps us kind of trudging along in, in the cloud of not knowing where we're going not knowing where we're going and the unknown are two distinct things and they are related to whether we are choosing linear time or whether we're choosing to be in the rhythms of spiraling of time. Can you talk a little bit about um, the use of spiral time for the hag? And, and, and I think you just touched on that a little bit as to how we can shift the seasons as to where we are, but how else do the cycles and rhythms work with us in that spiral? Yeah, uh, to me, time is so interesting. One of my really good friends is a money witch. And so she she looks at money as being very liberatory and sexy. And so for me, it's kind of the same. Like time can be this very uh, liberating, sensual resource because we, we can look at, when we speak of spiral time, we aren't saying that linear time isn't real. We, we, we have all of this evidence that linear time is real. We can see, um, you know, the the lines that are spider webbing around our eyes. We can see uh, that we're moving the calendar up another page. So we have all of these reminders that linear time is real. And so someone that that lives very close to to spiraling or or circular time, they aren't saying that that's not true. They're sort of more looking at time as being like a like a slinky shape, you know. So there is still this linear quality to it, but it is very much a spiral that that, that comes back around again. Um, so the, one of the practices that I do a lot in my witchcraft is, is sort of do this psychic dance in between present moment and then a vision that we might want to put in the future, so something that maybe we want to call in for ourselves, and then a memory where the feeling that we want to have in the vision is sort of the same. So we're dancing between present moment, memory, and then vision over and over again, and just within the space of 10 or 20 minutes, it starts to feel as though the the vision is very much memory and the memory is very much vision. And so there's this strange braiding that starts to happen. Um, and, and the body does respond in a way that feels like, like it's, oh, it's open to this. It, it knows this, uh, this, this ability to get very weird with time, like witches do. Mm-hmm. Another aspect uh, throughout the book is it's very much storytelling. And and witches, witches do have story. They do live in society from that kind of metaphorical um, standpoint of, of speaking and weaving the world together and, and dancing, like you said, between time and, and those different aspects. Are we still telling the stories? Is, is this still a way for us as women to, to bring forward that ancientness, that ancient lineage that is buried within us that we don't know that we know? Yes, absolutely. Beautiful. I think that um, especially when you start working with, with, you know, what you might call the old stories and myths, you start to see how the same themes that might be in a myth that, uh, you know, upon first reading or first hearing, it seems very distant and strange, but then you start to see certain archetypes or, or, or your, the magical objects that might be in that myth. You start to see them in your lived story in this incarnation or in your world and that that is 
such a huge part of magic is, is letting the, the mythic energy kind of do its work on you because in that way we, you have no choice, but to have the long vision because you're looking at these stories that are maybe thousands of years old and you're seeing yourself right there and you're seeing the challenges and, and, and what's going on in the collective right there in that really old myth. So there's a level of comfort to it. And also there's, there's a level of, of, um, you know, of humility and, and learning from it and realizing that, um, you know, that this isn't the, the apocalypse or this isn't the end times. It's just another, uh, you know, another ending or another apocalypse. Yeah. Mm. All of your work, whether it is the Holy Wild, Woman Most Wild, or Seasons of Moon and Flame, they all feel as if it is a shedding of skins, as if it is deconditioning of sorts or letting go of what's been placed on to reclaim or remember more and more of that wild animal that we are and, and the, the willingness to understand that we are that too, that we are this this animal. We can either be the animal that is voracious and feeds or we can be the animal that is organic and lives by life's rhythms. Talk a little bit about the thread of these three books and how they've impacted you. Yeah, I think that they are very much about the the unlearning and the stripping down and the, the woman most wild. My first book was, you know, very much a, kind of an invitation to just consider, you know, these these different aspects that we might say are are part of a witch's life. As maybe you have those, maybe you already have those in your life, whether you call yourself a witch or not. And then the holy wild was very much written from a, a place of rage. <laughs> so I was, um, I was very lucky to study with Dr. Estes, um, uh, Dr. Clarissa Pinkola Estes, who wrote Women Who Run With the Wolves over the summer. And something that she said just struck me so much in my own experience where like we tend to write from this place of, uh, of, of righteous rage because that's where the passion is. So, you know, you feel really hot about this subject and you can kind of get these, these, um, you know, the, you can harvest these deep writings from that that place that might seem unpleasant and and angry, uh, but that was you know the, the holy wild is is looking at uh, our feminine archetypes in that way, and then seasons of moon and flame. It you know it it is maybe a less angry book than the holy wild, but it's still it's still about a stripping down. It's still about a slowing down and an unlearning and and then a continual reflection and asking yourself, you know, if you really get under all of your indoctrination and, and ask yourself what it is you want for the world and, you know, where your story fits within the collective story, then what, then, then what is it like to see through those eyes? Mm, Seasons of Moon and Flame is a story of your eternal transmutation. Dream awake and be dreamed alive. Let the place to begin find you then the scry of your own way forward. Just like the practice of witchcraft, this book asks you to begin whenever and wherever you are called, regardless of geography, past study, or access to material resources. You don't need to live in a place where all four solar seasons are neatly defined and easily predicted, for all 13 moons live within us, just as the elements, directions, and deep archetypes of light and shadow run through our very blood. This is from Seasons of Moon and Flame, by Danielle Dolsky. Check out her website, thehagschool.com, and all of the beautiful things that she's created. Check out her other books as well, The Holy Wild and Woman Most Wild. Thank you, Danielle, for coming back on 1111 Talk Radio. My guest next week will be Dr. Arthur Sierra McCauley, and he will be back to talk about his latest book, which is quite exciting and most relevant for these times. Until next week, I am Simran, in love, of love, with love, and as love. Be well. Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality, your heart to greater compassion, and your experience of aliveness with 1111 Talk Radio. Join host Simron next Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time to step through the gateway of conscious living here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember, you are not on the journey. You are the journey.